and love my wife. Uh, the Lord has richly, richly blessed me. She puts up with, with me, and, but I, I get to poke fun ever, at her ever so often in a public way where she can't, and so uh, I hate that for her. But uh, so there we are in Georgia, and we are at a, um, I can't remember, we were in one of those outlet shops or something. And you know how thick the Georgian accent is down there. It's very southern hospitality down there. April would not be outdone when it comes to southern accents. So she walks up to the person, I don't know if we were at Tommy Hilfiger, and she goes up to the clerk and, and she says, my husband likes y'all tithes. And he looked at her, he's like, come again? My husband likes y'all ties." And he's like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And, uh, and I don't know how you eventually got him. I don't know. I, I just kept hearing it over and over. And I was like, I knew what she was saying. Your husband likes your all's ties. So he's like, I don't know what you're saying. And this was a, a somebody from Georgia. Husband likes y'all ties. And so finally, he, she was able to communicate that to him. And I love it. Uh, I don't know if it's Southern or what it is. It, it may be Smith accent, but uh, Georgia has boiled peanuts. Have y'all ever eaten a boiled peanut before? I mean, it's like eating a piece of wet cardboard, and, and uh, just a little tiny thing, but uh, April likes to call them bold peanuts, so we get down there. So, yeah, they did try to, to make us stay when we were down there, but uh, I have a feeling that we wouldn't have been able to stay. No one would have been able to understand us, and uh, but, okay, that was my other Georgia story. But turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now, we're getting back on the series that we're in. But look at John chapter 1, verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? The name of the message today is the record of John the Baptist. There's two things I want us to see today. I want it to be a challenge for us. Calling on you to believe the record of John, if you've not believed. And if you have believed... The Word of God is calling on us to be someone who has a record of Christ. A record of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day, Lord. We love you. We submit to you, Father. We, we thank you for your mighty power, your grace to save. We ask you, Father, if there be one here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today you call them and that you draw them by your power unto repentance and faith, and we'll give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in verse 19, it says, and this is the record of John. Now, what that means is John the Baptist. Now, we're in the, uh, the book of John, but that is the Apostle John. There's a difference. The Apostle John, when he's writing this book, whenever you see him mention John, he never calls himself John in John. When he says John, he means John the Baptist. So anytime you see John, he means John the Baptist. So verse 19, John is bringing up, this is the record of John the Baptist. Now this is a very significant phrase. 
when we start looking at the purpose of John writing this epistle, the purpose of the those who would in verse, uh, if you look at verse 11, No, sorry, verse 7 of chapter 1. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. The purpose there is to believe. The record of John, now if you look throughout here, now chapter 1 is a pretty big chapter, but look how many times we see a reference to the witness of John, the record which John is declaring. First of all, look at verse 7. We just read it. Uh, well, actually, look at verse uh, 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Also look at verse 8. He says, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And look at verse 14. And the word was flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So this is the record. Look how many times it references John's record. Verse 15, John bear witness of him. And look at verse 19, the one we just went through, and this is the record of John. And then also look at verse 32. And John bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven. Now look at verse 34. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. It's a very significant phrase in verse 19 as we start. This is the record of John. This is the account which John gives us. Now what's also significant is how did John the Baptist even have a record in order to give us? How did John even have a witness of Jesus Christ? And it ties in with verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4 says, in him was life. That means Jesus. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That word comprehend means to overtake. The darkness did not overcome, did not overtake the light which was in Christ. And we see now that John was called to bear witness of that light. The knowledge, the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The only reason John the Baptist had a record to even bear was because of the light that was in Christ. And how the darkness, the mystery of who Christ was, the, the not knowing who he is as your personal Savior, that's a darkness but Christ overcame. The darkness did not overcome the knowledge that Jesus gives us himself. And so John has that personal hand knowledge. Now, here's, here's even the great thing. The effect of the light of Jesus Christ overcoming darkness enabled John, the apostle, and John the Baptist to bear record of that light. Now, here's the thing. Now we know how they had the light... The darkness did not overtake the light which God gave them of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know how they could bear record. We, we know how they could write the New Testament and write this letter to those who would believe. That's the purpose. But he has also enabled us with that same light.
to bear record. Look at verse uh, 15 of chapter 1. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is before, before me, for he was before me. Verse 16, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Who's the we? Has the lost world received the fullness of Christ? Has the person who has rejected Christ as their Savior and going about to do whatever they want, they don't need their sins forgiven, they don't think they need their sins forgiven, have they received the fullness of Christ? No. The we is in reference to verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. All those who have believed upon him, repented of their sins, they've seen their state before Christ as one who is, has sinned against him, who has unpardoned sin, who, has the, who will pay for their own sins and the consequence of that, as God calls in the word of God, they shall not perish who believe upon him. Those who believe upon him, God gave power to be his children. Those are the ones in verse 16 that have received the fullness of Christ. So if we've received the same light as John the Baptist and John the Apostle, we've received the same fullness as John the Baptist and John the Apostle, we too can and should bear record. Just as John bear record in verse 19. The purpose of bearing the record is that all men through him might believe. The whole theme verse, now we're in the series in John, and we've looked at John, uh, this is probably, I don't know how many messages this is now, but the theme verse of all of John is, you don't have to turn there, it's John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The challenge is to you today, he is calling upon you to believe his record. Do you believe his record? Do you believe the record of John the Baptist? Do you believe the record of those who witnessed and handled and saw the glory of Jesus Christ, the only begotten of God? And so that is, in verse 14, he says, He dwelt among us. The Word became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. This was the Son of God. This man was deity. This man was the creator of all the universe. He became flesh and dwelt among us, and he was full of grace and truth. And that fullness have we, those who have believed, all we have received. So we should be able also to bear record. And so that's the two challenges that we see. Now, before moving forward, we're going to hopefully look at verse 19 I don't want to scare you too much, but I do want to get kind of in a lengthy way. A lot of what we're going to read today is going to be narrative of John the Baptist's private uh, declaration of God, John's private record to the Levites and the priests, and then John gives a public record to everyone else. And it takes us up to verse 34. So maybe we get to verse 34, maybe we don't. But what we do want to see here is this question. Before we start looking at the private 
record of John the Baptist to the priest? Can you bear record of Jesus Christ? What that means is, do you have a salvation story? Do you have a salvation story? I hope you do. I hope you know exactly when the Lord saved you. I hope you know exactly the, the panic and the fear and the, that you felt of coming to him in repentance and the sorrow that you had and then how you turned to him in all faith and trust and believed upon him that he died for your sins on the cross, that he rose again the third day. And trusting in him, you asked the Lord to save you. You asked the Lord to have mercy on you. You asked the Lord to forgive you because you do believe that Jesus died for you on the cross for all your sins, not the sins of mankind, your sins, not the sins of mom, dad, anybody but yours and you said Lord I and I alone have sinned against you I acknowledge my transgression against my God my creator I have sought my own will I've sought my own way I've wanted to be my own God that's idolatry that is forsaking God that is that is turning the presence of God into a lie in your mind but you come to the, the grips and the Lord has shined his light in your heart to the truth of the matter of how you stand before him a sinner, before an angry God. And all you can do is plead mercy upon God, upon the throne, upon his feet, kiss his feet. Psalms 2 says, kiss the son lest he be angry. And all we can do is cast ourselves at his feet and ask him, beg him to forgive us of our sins. You will never come to that place of sheer panic until the Lord has worked in your heart the sorrow of sin, the sorrow of, of how you stand before him. And so uh, we see that if you have that story, if that's you, you can bear record. You have a salvation story. You can bear record of what Jesus did for you. You don't have to be a theologian. All you have to do is say, this is what he did for me. He has saved me. Uh, do you, have, do you walk with him and talk with him? Do you know that he lives because he lives in your heart? You don't just have to believe it. You feel it. You feel his presence in your heart. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel him walking with you and talking with you. And you know he lives because he lives within your heart. Then you have a record to bear. You have a record to bear. You have the fullness. You've received the fullness of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, just as John the Baptist and John the Apostle. And we can bear record. And we can give that as, as he gives it. Now, think about that question. We may come back to that question here at the end. But I want to start in verse 19. And I want to show you how John the Baptist bear record of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, we may go a little fast. Uh, but it is basically narrative. And it does repeat itself. Now, it says in verse 19, this is the record of John when the Jews, now John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Now, these Jews are more than likely those of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin sent priests and Levites. Now, remember, not all Levites could be priests. Only the priest could be the descendant of Aaron, which was a Levite. Now, only the priests were the descendants of Aaron in the Levites. The other Levites, who weren't the descendants of Aaron, were more in charge of the temple administration. Okay? 
So there were two groups of people sent to John from the Sanhedrin and from Jerusalem, and they asked, verse 19, who art thou? They're watching John baptize. And they're like, what is this ritual? What's, what's this new rite of, of purification? Remember, in the Old Testament, the Jews had, picked, had, had um, demonstrated or they practiced the act of being submerged, washings. They called them washings in the Old Testament, and they were for purification. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was they really thought the water was purifying them. Okay? So now here comes John the Baptist. This is a different type of ritual that John the Baptist is doing. He's administering baptism. He's immersing people and bringing them up out of the water again. And so the chief leaders, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We know all the rules of our religion. This is new. What's going on? Let's go ask him what's going on. Who art thou in verse 19? In verse 20, John confessed, and he denied not, but confessed, I am the Christ. Uh, hopefully you don't skip over how emphatic John denied that he was not the Christ. So what is in here is implied, they asked him, are you the Christ? Because in verse 20 he says, I confessed emphatically he was not the Christ. This emphatic denial of being the Christ was also a positive witness to who Christ was. Now think about that. What was John's attitude? We know John's attitude. He says, I must decrease, he must increase. John the Baptist was a man of humility. And how often today, like, I mean, today, there's churches today that the preacher they, the preacher wants you to worship them. Here's the thing. The people that leave the church are more impressed with the preacher, the, the oration, or the, the, the building, or the service. There's something that is robbing the glory of God. John the Baptist says, I am not the Christ. Do not think of me as that. I am just the voice. I'm the one who is, who is propping up Christ. When you all leave here today, you've not seen me. You've seen Christ. That's my whole objective. And, but there, we see that, I mean, uh, God shall not share his glory with another. That's a serious thing to walk up and not just preachers. What about things in your life that God has given you by his grace that you're taking glory in, accomplishing without giving him glory? Um, Herod stood up and instead of giving glory where glory was due, which was to God, he took it upon himself. He came out with this nice silvery outfit which the light beamed off of it and it gave him some kind of sparkly thing. And he was like, yes. He was basking in the glory of the people worshiping him. And God and an angel of God smote him with worms that ate him inside out. It's dangerous to not give God the glory when it's by his grace. If you have anything, if you have, if, you, if you have a happy marriage, give God the glory. If you have children, give God the glory. If you have health, give God the glory. If you have a job, give God the glory. If you have a roof over your, your head, give God the glory. Oh, give him the glory for all things. And that's what we see John the Baptist do emphatically. I confess, I am no way in any shape the Christ. Now, the Christ, for some of you that don't know, the Christ is not Jesus' last name. Uh, because look up at verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What's missing there is the definite article, the. 
Within the Greek, host Christos, it, the, the is there. So Christ, it, Jesus Christ, it's Jesus the Christ. So Christ is the Greek uh, word, Christo, which means the anointed one. In the Old Testament, it is translated the Messiah. So when it says Jesus the Christ, he's talking about Jesus the anointed one of the Old Testament, Jesus the Christ. So that's what it, in verse 20, I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one who should come, the one who's been prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. The, um, the one, and I had said Davidic king on Wednesday, and some people didn't know what that meant. Uh, Jesus is the Davidic king, meaning that it was prophesied and promised that Jesus would sit on the throne of David. That's what it means. He's the Davidic king. So he's the one who's prophesied to do that and to bring in his everlasting kingdom. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Of the three men that they asked John the Baptist, only one of them was not the prophesied Christ. We know that Jesus was the Christ and Jesus is that prophet. They asked, are thou that prophet? They're talking about the prophet that Moses in Deuteronomy had prophesied about that there should be another just like him who shall rise up. Him shall ye hear. So those two are about Jesus, the Christ and that prophet. But this is Elijah. Now in verse 21, John the Baptist says, no, I'm not Elijah. Now why is that significant? Because there was a prophecy in Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, what's interesting, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but maybe you can write it down and study it for yourself or even ask me later. I've got so much, uh, it was really fun studying this. They are asking John the Baptist if he is one of these end-of-day figures from the Old Testament. All three of these are end-of-day figures. John the Baptist is inciting a new rite of purification. And so they're like, wait, are you Elijah? Are you one of these end-time prophets that should come? John the Baptist says he is not Elijah, but Jesus later on actually says that John the Baptist was, not reincarnated. So you would say, well, what's the conflict there? So John the Baptist says, I'm not Elijah, but Jesus in, in three places, Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, chapter 17, verse 12, Mark chapter 9, verse 13. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, but I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. There's places where Jesus says that this is the prophesied Elijah that should come. Why did John deny being the Elijah that should come? Well, there's two reasons that could be given. First of all, John thought that they meant the, a reincarnation of Elijah, the man which he wasn't. He wasn't a reincarnated Elijah. The second reason, and I think this is more probable, is we all have already seen the humility of John the Baptist. John the Baptist knew that he was the one of Isaiah 40. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, but he did not feel that his ministry was significant enough to be considered Elijah 
from the Old Testament prophecies. That is a, a humility. He did not feel that it was significant. Nowhere does Jesus say that John the Baptist was confused about it or any of those things. But we do see a humility of John the Baptist who says, I, I don't, I mean, now remember, he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Uh, but John, so if you're, you're like, well, hey, there's a discrepancy here. John Baptist says he's not Elijah, but Jesus says he is. Well, there's that, those couple of reasons that we see. Uh, Jesus clarifies that Jesus, I mean, that's the whole thing, is it's better to be, it's better to, to take the low seat and ask to be moved up than it is to take the high seat and ask to be brought down. We humble ourselves before the Lord. We don't think of ourselves as important as we should think, you know, as, as most of the time we think. I'm just grateful and thankful not only the Lord has saved me, but he's used me in some small way. In this small amount of time, generation after generation, people have served the Lord and they've served him faithfully and they're at home in glory, enjoying his presence forever. And once we start putting in perspective the span of time and how eternity is 10,000 years is a second. I mean, there is no yesterday or tomorrow in eternity. Then we can understand, oh, how thankful we should be. The Lord is going to use us at all. And so that was the attitude of, of John the Baptist. And that prophet that who should come. Now, I, I know I need to hurry up if I'm going to get there. Uh, so look at verse, so verse 21 at the end, he says, no, I'm not. I am not. Then said they unto him, who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us what sayest thou of thyself? They weren't going to take just no for an answer. They didn't even know why John the Baptist is, is out here baptizing. Then John said, in verse 23, he said, I am the voice. This is my identity. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Now something that's going to help you. When you see Isaiah, E-S-A-I-S, it's talking about Isaiah. When you see in verse 21, Elias, it's talking about Elijah. Now, why, did the, why does the New Testament, why do we have those words? It is the Greek translation of the Hebrew words. In the Greek manuscript, these are the, in the proper names, they don't interpret it, they transliterate it. What they mean is if, if it's a Greek epsilon, they write an E. If it's a Greek uh, phi, they, they write a P, you know, or iota, they write an I. It's a transliteration. And that is one of the reasons that, and I don't plan on being on this long, that I prefer the King James Version. Because the King James Version does not take liberties to interpret what this Greek is. It transliterates it. Now, Elias, look at the L. Do you see the L? E-L. That lets me know that's Elijah. Okay? In verse 23, it's E-S. That lets me know it's Isaiah. So that Elias has the L, Elijah. Isaiah has the E-S, that's Isaiah. So hopefully that'll help you. But I did want to bring that out, that there's a lot of translations today that translate this to be Elijah and Isaiah. Did they really translate the manuscript? 
They interpreted the manuscript. They took a liberty. We, I mean, of course, that's who they're talking about, Elijah and Isaiah. But I do not want a translation that has taken liberties on what the word means. Rather, just give me the translation of what the Greek word means. Now, I prefer the King James Version. I mean, you all, you study, you, you study Bibles, however you want to use study Bibles. But I don't prefer the King James Version because it's easier to read. <laughs> I don't. I do it because I feel like there's integrity of them translating from the manuscripts, the Texas Receptus of the New Testament, the Masoretic of the Old Testament, the Hebrew text. Okay, so that, that was just a little side note. Um, but I thought that would help you. As you're reading, if you have a King James Version, you need to figure out who Elias and Isaiah is. That's who they are. Verse 24, And they which were sent of the Pharisees, and it runs in the verse 25, they asked him a question. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? So the Pharisees, which were in the group of the Levites and the priests, Pharisees were not typically Levites. Only Sadducees were. So the Pharisees, who were in the delegation that came to ask to John the Baptist, these questions, they asked him, more or less, why baptizest thou? What they're asking is, who gives you the authority to start this purification rite that none of us have agreed on? None of the, none of the Sanhedrin, none of the religious brass, none of those who felt like they were protectors and, and safeguards of the law and the, the verbal law. That's who the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were the strictest of the sect of the, the Jews. You had three. You had Sadducees, Pharisees, and Essenes. And the Pharisees were of the stricter side of it. And they said, hey, no, we're the ones who interpret the law. We're the ones who have the oral law. Not, I mean, it's called the Talmud. And so they have a law that is a law because they interpreted what the written law said. That was what the Pharisees did. They, had, they felt they had all this power to make new laws based on their interpretation of the written law. They said, no, you are not one of us. You cannot incite this new washings of purification right. So they said, what gives you the authority to do this? If you're not one of these end-time prophets, if you're not one of these end-time people, then how can you be doing this end-time new ritual? Because that's what it is. It's a new ritual, the, 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 the inauguration of a new kingdom. Verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize. That word is emphasized, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me. The preferred means higher rank before me, whose shoe latches I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth Arbor, which many believe is Bethany, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Scene is ended with John's private record bearing to the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. Verse 29 starts his public record bearing. Verse 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Talking about the pre-existence and the eternality of Christ. But, and I knew him not, which means by sight, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. 
uh, therefore am I come baptizing with water. There is a very large prophecy in Malachi 3.1 talking about how Jesus will come and, and be the messenger of the new covenant. And that's what, how he's manifest, he's revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John bare record. There's our bare record again. Saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and an abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me, here's my authority to baptize. John was sent from God. Same thing in chapter 1, verse 6. He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me upon them, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. The, the baptism which John the Baptist was doing was not for the purification of sins. It was a water baptism. It was to picture the one who was coming right behind him. He was, John the Baptist was heralding in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We talked about him being the herald. How he cries out, here comes the king. Here comes the king. That's what the king's heralds would always do. They'd make the announcement, the king is coming. And John the Baptist, as he's baptizing, he's symbolizing all the purification which Jesus would do, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how he has created within us a new man. Through the Holy Spirit, he has created within us a new man. The deadness is gone. We who were dead in sins and trespasses, has he quickened us? And has made us alive. That is the real, that is the real purification. It is by Jesus. Verse 34, he says, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And again, the next day, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins Oh, that I love that he taketh away. That signifies that Jesus took it up. Jesus took my sins upon him. He took it and he bore it upon him. He took it from me. He took it away. He's my lamb. He's God's lamb. And only by the lamb of God can my sins be forgiven? Can my sins be pardoned? Because Jesus took all the charges that I owed God and he took it upon him and he took it away. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O oh, glorious day. That's Jesus. He took my sins away. He's the Lamb of God. That's the one that John was pointing to. I am not him. I, I don't even deserve to untie his shoe latchets. Oh, but we see that John had bore record. Oh, that we, we too may honor and bear record to Jesus Christ, as John the Baptist did, as John the Apostle did. He wrote these things for you to believe. Do you believe the record which John gave? Do you believe the record that John the Baptist gave? Do you have a salvation story? I pray that you do. If you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, I pray that you do not leave here the day. No one would embarrass you, but with all sincerity and love of my heart, I would love to show you how you can be saved today through the Scriptures, even if it's just you and I, just alone together, just looking through the Scriptures. And I, I want to show you how you can be saved today. If you're not, if you do not know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are saved today, then are we bearing record? We can 
and we should. You know, one day, as John the Baptist has the record, one day our salvation story will be finished. Our record will be complete. Right now, our record is Jesus is coming again. And he's coming and he's going to call all those that are in the grave, all those that are his, all those that believed upon him before they died. They took their last breath on earth. He is coming again and all those in Christ shall rise and they shall meet him in the air. And those who are alive and remain, we will not prevent them, but we'll be caught up together with him that where he is, there we will be also. You know what? I don't have to wait till Jesus to come again to be where he is right now because he's in my heart. I hope he's in your heart. He's already with me. One day he's going to physically come get me. That will be the end of our record, of our salvation story. Isn't that beautiful? All that Jesus did forever and ever and ever, we will worship him for his great salvation, his great love. Please don't think you're too great a sinner for God to save. There's no such thing. He asks all, he, he commands all that come under the sound of his voice. There is no other name given under heaven whereby ye must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. I pray you are saved. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us, the breath you put in our bodies, the grace in your mercy, in your kindness and love. Father, we do pray for those who do not know you, do not have that peace of heart or hope or assurance. Father, we pray, Lord, that you'll just bring them, draw them to you. Lord, those who do know you as their Savior, Father, we pray, Lord, you'll just encourage them, bring them victory in their life. Father, give them conviction to go the right way to walk before you because we know that that is a pleasing and joyful life when we please you. Father, we do pray for all those who are here today that you just be with each one and you know each heart. In Jesus' name.